Live from a secure concrete bunker somewhere in Ohio, New Thought Media Network presents Pastor Michael Mangus with Friday's Fireside Chat, spiritual conversation for today. Here he is from the secret radio room, surrounded by thousands of watts, Pastor Michael Mangus. Well, good evening to everyone across the United States and also around the world. It is time once again for another fun-filled, thrill-packed, and always exciting edition of the Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus, and I am broadcasting this evening from the secret radio room in a secure concrete bunker somewhere in the Akron area. Where? We can't tell you. (laughs) But anyhow, it's it's really good to see everyone this evening. We do have a wonderful show for you tonight. So please feel free to interact with us by posting your comments below on Facebook. And also, again, if you're feeling a little shy, which some of you are, (laughs) and you don't want to be on the air. Hi, Wayne. Says, howdy from Calgary. But if you're not like Wayne, if you're like yourself and you just want to contact me, it's PastorMichaelMangus at gmail.com, PastorMichaelMangus at gmail.com. So thank you to my wonderful producer, Diego, for the best of show last week. That was pretty good. It is nice to take a week off occasionally. The beach was wonderful. I think we have a... There it is. Wrightsville Beach, Mercer Pier. That's exactly where I was at last week. I don't know, Diego. What do you think? North North Carolina is calling me. What do you think? Well, it looks like a very nice place. It looks like it's a little overclass as the sun goes down there right now. Yeah. Well, listen, I would just, uh, but listen, be assured, though, that if I move, the fireside chat will go with me. So, but Diego, thank you. You did a nice job last week. Really appreciate that. Oh my goodness. It, it was nice to bring up the um, uh, the Riceville Beach Mercer Pier. Oh, reminiscing already. Huh? I wish I was there. Okay, thank you, Diego, very much. So, the the purpose of the fireside chat here is to talk about contemporary issues from a new thought perspective. And as I keep saying here week after week over and over again, I want us all to have a new thought about what is going on around us, not only here in the United States, but also globally. From the legal department, of the New Thought Media Network, they said, Pastor Michael, thank you for giving us a week off. (laughs) Oh, am I in that much trouble? Anyhow, they told me that I have to read this disclaimer. Are you ready? From the legal department of the New Thought Media Network, the views and opinions expressed by the host and his guest are their own. 
They do not represent the views and opinions necessarily of the New Thought Media Network Centers for Spiritual Living, Reverend Robert, my roommate Pam, her daughter PJ, Pam's son-in-law Jeff, or Callie, my wonderful cat. As they say in the 12-step recovery program, take what you like and leave the rest. And now back to our regular programming. I mentioned the things that I mentioned here because that we need to have, again, a new thought about what is going on around us. And I don't mention things from the news to have us in fear. What I want us to do is to have a new thought around it and also for us to start knowing the truth beyond all that's going on. So in the news this evening, we lead with COVID-19 from the Centers for Disease Control here in the United States. Our total number of cases, 29,490,832. That is up 59,174. The cases in the last seven days, again, these numbers are dropping here. 374,244. And the total number of deaths so far including my mother, Etta Mangus, 536,734. Reported from yesterday to today, we had 1,517 new deaths. The good news that we have to report this evening is on the vaccine front here. Delivered has been 154,199,235. Administered so far has been 118,313,818. So the numbers here are trending downward, which is an extremely good sign, especially the hospitalizations. Again, not that long ago, a few weeks ago, we were averaging around 4,000 deaths per day. So now we're down to around 1,500. The vaccines and also what we are doing by masking up, by keeping our distance, by continuing to wash our hands is making a big difference out there. And we're still in the midst of all of this. We're still in the center of the storm. And that we all need to, again, not to be in fear, but to be in faith and to be aware of what's going on. And again, my purpose here in sharing the numbers here is to keep us all aware of what is going on out there. So what you need to know from CNN, the European Union Medicines Regulator says that its investigation found the AstraZeneca vaccine to be safe, but a blood clot link cannot be ruled out. That vaccine has not been approved for USA consumption yet. A number of European countries, including France and Germany, restarted their uh, AstraZeneca rollout on Friday, and the Biden administration will loan around 4 million of its AstraZeneca vaccine doses to Canada and also to Mexico as the company waits for official use approval in the United States. 
Briefly here, let's look at the U.S. vaccination figures. They're really good. 100 million shots have been administered over 58 days. 22 million doses have been sent out to the states, tribes, and territories and through the federal channels, including pharmacies and community health centers. Over 2.5, the weekly supply that was being distributed when President Joe Biden took office. Nearly 6,000 federal personnel have been deployed to serve as vaccinators, including over 2,000 active duty troops that will grow to more than 6,000 active duty troops in the coming weeks. I know in Cleveland that Ohio, uh, which is north of Akron, that they'll start doing a mass vaccination at one of the stadiums up there. More than 500 mobile vaccination clinics have been set up to meet people where they are. 2.5 million shots have been administered per day per the current seven-day average, and two out of three adults age 65 and older have gotten at least their first shot. So now so from some good news and also a little bit of a caution here, the CDC's new school guideline reduces the distance relies on masking and other measures, the director says. New Center for Disease Control and Prevention Guidelines that relaxes the recommendations for distancing from three feet to six feet for many kids, relies heavily on schools using other measures, including universal masking and contact tracing, the agency's director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, said on Friday. The CDC announced the new guidelines earlier Friday, and Walensky outlined it in an White House coronavirus briefing. Walensky also says, she says, today, the CDC is pleased to update our recommendations for physical distancing between students and classrooms in our K-12 operational strategy. In elementary schools, the CDC is still recommending students to remain at least three feet apart in the classroom where everyone is wearing a mask. But this only works if the schools are taking other steps, too, Walensky said. These include universal and the correct use of masks, physical distancing, hand washing, and respiratory etiquette, which means when you sneeze is to put your, uh, put your mouth over your sleeve or into a hanky, handkerchief. Cleaning to maintain healthy facilities and also diagnostic testing with rapid and efficient uh, contract tracing in combination with isolation and quarantine and in collaboration with local health departments. Three studies that were done in Utah, Missouri, and Florida help inform the change guidance, she said. A study done by Florida health officials and the CDC found that resuming school in person does not increase infection rates. Hallelujah. Time to get back to school here. Walensky also said, importantly, the study also found that COVID-19 rates were higher among students in school districts that did not have mandatory mask use policies in place. Masks work. Wear a mask. <laughs> Whether or not, if you're in school, wear a mask. If you're out at the grocery store, wear a mask. Wear a mask over your 
mouth and also over your nose too. We have a warning though from Dr. Anthony Fauci. He said the UK variant is more deadly and contagious. Anthony Fauci said on Friday that one of the new coronavirus variants that's spreading rapidly in the US is both more contagious and likely to be more deadly as well. The spread of the B117 variant first identified in the UK means that vaccination is more important than ever, as are measures such as mask use and social distancing, Fauci said during a White House briefing. It was first spotted in Colorado at the end of December, Fauci said, and since then it has been detected in 50 jurisdictions in the United States and likely accounts now for around 20 to 30 percent of the infections in this country, and Fauci said that that number is growing. Of the concern is that there are around 50% increase in transmission with this particular variant that has been documented in the UK, and there is likely an increase in the severity of disease if infected with this variant, added Fauci, who is the chief medical advisor to President Joe Biden. It says, though, that vaccines appear to protect well against the B117, and treatments such as antibodies also appear to work against this particular variant. Fauci said that the way that we can counter B117, which is a growing threat in our country, is to do two things. Number one, to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible, and to expeditiously. One of the words I trip over all the time, <laughs> as possible with the vaccine that we know that works with this variant, and finally to implement the public health measures that we talk about all the time. And that was on Dr. Olinsky's slide, and that is masking, physical distancing, and avoiding congregate settings, particularly indoors. I'll talk about that in a moment here. Okay. We're not out of the woods here, yet. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but we all need to do what we have been doing for the past year. And we still need to follow the science and exercise caution. There are many things, again, that we can do, which include follow the science. <laughs> Wear a mask, consider a double one, watch your distance, wash your hands, crack open a window and insist that others in your bubble wear a mask in your home. And again, I'm not one to tell you what to do, okay? But please study the science before deciding not to take the vaccine. Again, for me and my house, we are going to get vaccinated when we are able to. The other thing too is be patient about getting your vaccine. We've had some challenges getting an appointment here in the Ohio area. We're all gonna get through this here by guiding our thinking. Watch your thinking. That's how we're gonna get through this. Find ways to take care of yourself. 
Again, spiritual practice. Take a walk around the block. Eat right. Those things really help as far as keeping your mood up. And again, instead of focusing on what you can't do, focus on what you can do. Again, avoid social gatherings outside your bubble. If you're getting together, have everyone wear a mask and crack open a window. And know this, even with the vaccine, it's going to take a while to achieve herd immunity. So let's all just be patient here. I know we all want to get back to normal, whatever that is. But normal is not going to be achieved until, again, that we get the disease or disease under control. Please take this seriously. This is not a drill here. We will all get through this, again, if we follow the science and also watch our thinking and guide it towards the positive. And I'll have more to say on that here a little bit later. found a really good article about that this week. Now, even though that many New Thought Centers are planning to open up, they are doing so under the advisement of the local and state health departments. Being inside and not moving is still not a good idea right now. So many churches are planning Easter services, but they're planning them outdoors. Again, the all clear has not been put up there yet. Let's just all be patient here. I know we've been doing this for a year. And I know that many of us have COVID fatigue here. I know that. But we all need just to be patient here. Somehow or another, again, we're going to get through this. And I'll talk about the whole idea of change. I have a wonderful article by a wonderful author here coming up here on the New Thought Media Network. Well, hi there. This is the Friday evening fireside chat here again on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus. As we continue through the news here, also in the news was the Atlanta shooting from last Tuesday. This is what we know from CNN. The Asian-American communities are on edge after Tuesday's deadly shooting at three Atlanta-area spas. Six of the eight people killed were Asian women. While the suspect faces multiple counts of murder and a charge of aggravated assault, there is a fierce debate underway on whether he should also face eight crime charges. The shooter has denied any hate crime motivation, but blames it on his sex addiction and wanting to eliminate the temptation. What an interesting way of doing that. And President Biden and also Vice President Harris went to Georgia today to meet with Asian American leaders. The Atlanta mayor says on the spa shootings, I think it's difficult to see it anything else other than a hate crime. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms told CNN last night that she thinks that the Tuesday spa shootings were a hate crime. It looks like a hate crime to me, Bottoms said during an interview on Anderson Cooper 360. It was targeted towards Asian spas. Six of the women who were killed were Asian so it is difficult to see it as anything else but that. Bottom also said this. He says, there are many 
areas of hate that are covered within the definition of a hate crime, later adding, I think it's difficult to see it as anything other than a hate crime. The Atlanta mayor says that she has spent the past few days reaching out to members of the Asian community in Atlanta to make sure that we have all the information that we need to make sure that our communities are protected. The 21-year-old suspect, Robert Aaron Long, is in custody in relation to the shootings in Cherokee County, Georgia, and the two others in Atlanta. In total, eight people, including six Asian women, died in the three shootings. Long has claimed responsibility for the shootings in Cherokee County, where he faces four counts of murder and a charge of aggravated assault, according to the county sheriff's office. He's also been charged with more than four counts of murder, the Atlanta Police Department said. So today, before we went on the air, we received communication from Centers for Spiritual Living. Again, I am a longtime member of CSL. Also, I am finishing up Holmes Institute. Even though I'm ordained in another organization, I am working towards getting licensed as a minister in Centers for Spiritual Living. But the views and opinions here are my own. I'm not a spokesperson for CSL, but I agree with what they have been putting out about the situations going on in our world. The letter begins with a science of mind quote from page 107. The more the world arms for war, the more certain it is that there will be war. Eventually, we shall understand that all human bondage is an invention of ignorance. The letter starts, We acknowledge that violence against Asian and Pacific Islander communities have risen worldwide. We acknowledge the pain, the trauma, and fear other communities worldwide may be experiencing as they become aware of the violence occurring in the Asian and Pacific Island communities. For this reason, we offer a call to spiritually motivated social action and invite you to join in solidarity with these communities. To promote understanding, tolerance, and compassion, we offer the resources below as a starting point for all who seek to learn more. Further, we offer the statement of spiritual mind treatment written by Reverend, and uh, let me pronounce his name slowly, Reverend Masando Hiraoka. Hiraoka. I'm sorry, my brother, if I mispronounced it. I'm doing the best I can here. But again, uh, Reverend Hiraoka said that we are grateful for all the hearts who have been called to read and share the statement and recognize that at least in the very least, the simple act of reading the statement and the prayer is an act of resilience, love, and hope. And those who are feel called to add their voice are invited to do so with a prayer of their own or request a prayer from World Ministry of Prayer. From Reverend Hiraoka, he said, on Wednesday morning, we awoke to the news of a large mass shooting in the United States since the pandemic began. Eight people were shot and killed in three different locations, with six of those being women and six of the seven being 
AAPI or Asian American Pacific Islanders. While the shooter's full motive is still being investigated, we recognize the intersectionality of sexism, misogyny, and racism presented in these numbers. It must be also noted that this tragedy occurred on the same day that a report was released showing a 150% rise in hate crimes against AAPI and more than 3,800 incidents in the past year alone. Fear and trauma in the AAPI communities are very present right now. And as an organization that does believe in oneness and holds a vision of peace and human dignity for all, we stand in solidarity with the AAPI community and speak this prayer for the families that are mourning and more healing of the racism and violence that creates suffering in our world. So I'm going to offer this prayer up, this spiritual mind treatment, written by Reverend Iraoka. So pray with me here. We come to this present moment in a place of sadness, of mourning, of confusion and anger. I've come to know that in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of these natural responses to tragedy and violence, the presence of the living spirit, the divine, is still fully here. And at the center of our being, providing a healing balm and a place for both grief and the healing that comes from that grief lives and moves and has its being. And we just now know that the same healing energy is present for the families that have been directly affected by this tragedy. And we know, too, that love that we feel for our fellow AAPI brothers and sisters that are experiencing the collective trauma of this incident permeates out and surrounds and enfolds their hearts and minds. It is through this love and through this recognition of our oneness that we stand and mourn in solidarity with the AAPI community and the trauma that they've experienced in the past year since the pandemic began. And we hold a place of safety, of strength, of commitment to ensuring and upholding the safety and peace for all of giving special attention to our AAPI friends right now. And it is from the space that we extend this prayer to our country and to the world, holding a place of healing from the ravages of separate racism and misogyny and the mindless acts that are birthed from hate and power over another. We hold a space for the collective healing that's being called forth from each one of us in the sacred time that we are sharing on this planet together, and allowing our hearts to build bridges of understanding, of greater awareness, and of the mending of all of our relations. We know this work is God's work, so it takes refuge in remembering that this healing is being supported by a power that's greater than ourselves with each and every breath, with each and every tear, with each and every rush of anger or swirl of confusion. And we rest in the knowledge that healing is happening within all of us and all around us. And as we rest into that space where grief and healing come together, and can take place all at once, we give thanks for the heartbreaking that eventually settles into heart opening. And we give thanks for the ways in which our own hearts are able to be moved and moved into an active inspiration to stand for one another. With love, with heartbreaking, with togetherness, we say, Amen. And so it is. Thank you, my brother. There's lots of ways. If you would like a copy of the letter, all you need to do is to Write me at pastormichaelmangus at gmail.com, and I can send that to you. There's a lot of things that we can do in the New Thought community. Again, we can 
create our own prayer through the World Ministry of Prayer online. There are 61 ways to donate in support of Asian communities. Again, I can send you those links. To learn more about the impacts of Asian female stereotypes that lead to dehumanization and also violence, and also the magazine Times article about the worldwide rise of violence towards Asian communities. And that was sent out by our Spiritually Motivated Social Engagement Committee that was led by Dr. Edward Villune, who's our spiritual leader. There are many people in New Thought that say that I shouldn't mention anything about this. And I get that. All of us, though, as people who claim to be spiritual and awake, must stand with any community that's being targeted. That's my opinion. Whether or not the Atlanta shootings were racially motivated is still in debate. However, it has brought up the issue of blaming Asian Americans for COVID-19. As I just read, there's been an uptick of 150 percent in attacks on Asian Americans here in this country. Our Asian brothers and sisters are not to blame for any of this. However, because of the rhetoric from the past presidential administration that blamed China for creating and unleashing the pandemic, we're dealing with what we're dealing with here. All the information from the past administration about China causing this is not true. Can we understand it? It started in China. But even if it was true, let's say it was, blaming Asian Americans and targeting them with racial hatred points to the systemic racism that must be ended. Not only in this country, but around the world. Not only do we join the rest of New Thought in bringing forth a world that works for everyone, he said in that wonderful treatment that I just read, we also need to defend our brothers and sisters who are racially targeted. We need to not only treat, but we need to move our feet. I am so glad you're with us this evening. Welcome. This is the Friday Evening Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus, and we have a few announcements here, and then we're going to go to a break. Yours truly is parking himself at Summit CSL. For more information, go to summitcsl.org. You'll find information about our wonderful community there and our wonderful Sunday gathering at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific time. And for all of my friends on the West Coast, yes, people get up that early on Sunday mornings. <laughs> 
So grab your coffee, your tea, your espresso, your milk tea, which I had last weekend, or chai, and join us. I really do believe that we have one of the best services in New Thought because there's a balance of message and music and meditation for you to have your own spiritual experience. So join us on Sunday mornings. So this Sunday, we will continue our monthly theme of life. Here's truly speaking on this thing called life. So please, again, join us. You may get information about the Zoom call at summitcsl.org. Also, the service is simulcast on the Summit Spiritual Center of Akron Facebook page. And our Facebook page also has past broadcasts of the world-famous and ever-popular Fireside Chat. The one thing that we're asking everyone to do, and this does not cost you anything, is to share the Fireside Chat to your Facebook page and also other New Thought spiritual groups that you are associated with. For more information on how to do that, please contact me. I will train you personally on how to do that. I am currently open for individual practitioner sessions, Sunday speaking, and also ceremonies. Please email me at pastormichaelmangus at gmail.com. I will give you more information about all the wonderful things that I'm doing here. Lots of great things that we're doing here at the New Thought Media Network. Mark your calendars. Please join us. Mondays, we have Monday Morning Visioning. That's 7 a.m. Mountain Time, Cosmic Prayer, live from the U.K. with the very beautiful and talented Laura Topper at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. The Peace Circle at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. Also, we have, on Tuesdays, we have Treasures from the Tao with Reverend Jody at 12 p.m. Mountain Time. New Thought Today with Reverend Z and Reverend Robert at 2 p.m. Every day, we have morning prayers at 8.15 a.m. with the prayer team, and Wednesdays, a midweek meditation with Reverend Robert at 7 a.m. Mountain Time. Monday through Friday, we have a daily SIP, S-I-P, of Spirit in Action with Reverend Melissa. That's at 8.30 a.m. Her program, Living Life with Joy, is at 10 a.m. That's Reverend uh, Melissa Moore Nobles. Feel the Flow at 10.30 a.m. with Terry Paul Choice. That's on newthoughtmedia.org. Our midweek pick-me-up, which is absolutely wonderful with Reverend Robert. That's at 3 p.m. Mountain Time. Every day we have evening prayers at 8.15 p.m. with the prayer team. On Thursdays, we have Jersey Girl Wisdom with Reverend Dr. Michelle Wadley at 10 a.m. The Joys in the Journey, that's at 1 p.m. Minister Stalking <clears throat> Stuff Podcast <laughs> at 7 a.m. with Reverend Robert and Reverend Z. Also, we do have on Fridays a collective meditation for peace, the Heart of Peace Meditation. That's at 9 a.m. Mountain. Yours truly, Pastor Michael Mangus has his fireside chats at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. Camille Conti is at 8 p.m. on newthoughtmedia.org. 
And also our Science of Mind and Spirit Lecture Series is at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. That is absolutely wonderful where we have different ministers and also practitioners teaching from the Science of Mind textbook. Absolutely wonderful. Please go and watch that tomorrow morning. Also, Feel the Flow rebroadcast at 10.30 a.m. with Terry Paul Choice. And also, last but not least, Spirit Says Sing with uh, Diego Reyes. That's at 6 p.m. Mountain Time here on the New Thought Media Network. Lots of activity here. Lots of good spiritual nourishment and food. And I lovingly ask for your help. Please go on ntmedia.org slash donate. Please give a generous contribution. Please consider a reoccurring monthly donation. The money that you give us blesses yourself because of the giving and also blesses the world. We are able to reach people outside of our sensors' walls by doing this. I'm going to ask here to please help us out. We're doing extremely good work here, getting the message of new thought, the inspiring, empowering message of our philosophy out there. But please help us, ntmedia.org slash donate. And thank you so very much. We really appreciate the sowing of your good seed into this ministry. Well, we're going to take a break here, and then we'll be right back. This is the Friday Evening Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Network. Back on the Friday Evening Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Network. Pastor Michael Mangus with us. I thought I would read an article this evening that I saw during the week and I thought would be extremely helpful. This is an interview with author and lecturer Bruce Feiler on handling life transitions, how to survive and thrive in times of change. And again, as I said before, that we, <laughs> we are in the shift. The shift has hit the fan big time. And so we're in the midst of change and growth here. So I really like what Bruce said, and please go get his book because it's wonderful. It's called Handling Life's Transitions. The author said, I had the opportunity to sit down for a Q&A with Bruce Feiler, a TED Talk veteran and seven-time best-selling author who wrote Life is in the Transitions, a guidebook for navigating the times where our lives pivot dramatically. And you can find out more about Bruce from his website. That's Bruce Feiler, F-E-I-L-E-R dot com. And here is our chat. First question was, why did you write Life is in the Transitions? And Bruce Feiler wrote this. He says, we're all experiencing a crush of change that's nearly overwhelming. A few years ago, I got consumed by a back-to-back-to-back -back -back set of disruptive life experiences. First, I was diagnosed with a life-threatening cancer that gave birth to the Council of Dads, both the book and the NBC series. And then I almost went bankrupt. 
And then my father, who was suffering from Parkinson's, tried to kill himself in the midst of that. He started sending my dad questions about his life. And this went on for years until he had written an autobiography. This whole period got me interested in how we navigate and make sense of transitions in our lives. For the next five years then, I crisscrossed the country, collecting life stories of hundreds of Americans in all 50 states who have been through similar life disruptions. With a team of 12, I then spent a year coding these interviews for 57 different variables. From what emotions that they most struggled with, to what advice from friends was most helpful, to what habits that they shed, identifying patterns and takeaways that can help us all survive and thrive during times of change. I'm reading from a Q&A interview with author Bruce Feiler and his brand new book called Life is in the Transitions. The question was, what lessons should people take from your book regarding how they should design their own behavior or the behavior of others? And Bruce Feiler wrote this. He said, the big idea of my book is that expectations for how we should behave and how we should approach our lives are outdated. They're outdated. Bruce Feiler found three things, three big parts to this. First, he said that the linear life is dead. Americans have been told for decades that our lives will follow predictable linear paths interrupted by periodic crises on birthdays that end in zero. <laughs> the backbone of this paradigm was a series of carefully calibrated progressions from dating to marriage to children to empty nest, from low-level jobs to middle-level jobs to senior-level jobs to retirement. Today, that idea is preposterously behind the times. We no longer expect to have just one job, one relationship, one spirituality, one sexuality, one source of happiness from adolescence to assisted living. The other big part is this linear life has been replaced by a new paradigm, the nonlinear life, in which each of us experiences our life as a complex swirl of celebrations, setbacks, triumphs, and rebirths across the full span of our years. The third big idea that Bruce Feiler wrote about was the nonlinear life comes with a greater number of life transitions, three to five spread across our adult lives. At its simplest, a life transition is the way that humans cope with these periods of change. When we get hit by a major life disruption, we often freeze with indecision and fear. The life transition is how we get out of un the unfrozen and we move into a period of reinvention and renewal. My book offers the first new toolkit for navigating life transitions in 50 years. The question was, what one thing you believe that most people would disagree with? And Bruce Feiler wrote this. He says, there is no such thing as a midlife crisis. The idea of the midlife crisis was first articulated in 1957. 
Elliot Jaquez claimed that people in their mid-30s go through a depressive period brought on by the first contemplating their uh, mortality. Jaquez didn't do any research. He just read a bunch of biographies of famous men. He didn't include any women. He said because menopause obscures their midlife transition. Interesting. When Gail Sheely popularized the idea in the 70s, based primarily on some very iffy research by Dan Levinson at Yale, Levinson only interviewed 40 people, and again, only men. She said that midlife crisis must start in the 40th year and will end at 45 and a half years. Bruce Filer wrote this. He said, this is all bunk. <laughs> My research shows that we suffer a series of three to five life quakes, as I call them, across all of our lives. And this could be medical issues, career shifts, change in sexual practices, as well as divorce, social movements like the Me Too or the Black Lives Matter, or external events like tornadoes, a financial crisis, a downsizing, or a pandemic. Some of these are voluntary, others are involuntary. The signature finding of my studies is that the average length of the transitions that grow out of these life quakes is five years. Do the math, and that means that we spend half of our lives in transition. Do you realize that? We spend half of our lives in transition, moving from one area to another. Bruce Feiler goes on, he says, you or someone that you know is going through one right now. Well, I think we can all raise our hand here and say we're all going through <laughs> a life transition with COVID-19. What is unique about this particular moment in history is that for the first time in 75 years, the entire country is going through a life transition together. And he was referring to COVID-19. The question was, in this interview, he says, what? is your most important good habit or routine. And Bruce Filer wrote this. He says, when you're stuck, try something new. My research found that transitions involve three phases, what I call the long goodbye, the messy middle, and the new beginning. In the long goodbye, we confront our emotions and turn to rituals to put our past behind us. In the new beginning, we unveil our new selves and update our personal story. But the messy middle is hard one for most people. I'll say it. it's also hard for me too. We shed certain habits, mindsets, routines, delusions, and dreams. Also, we create new things too, like new attitudes and aptitudes and skills and talents. Bruce Feiler goes on to say, people gravitate to the phase that they're best at, their transition superpower, and bogged down in the one that they're weakest at, their transition kryptonite. I would say a superpower of mine is that I am good at starting things. In my life, the best ideas have come from the worst times of my life. I had the idea to create the Council of Dads in the most horrific week of my life when I learned that I might die. I had the idea that because this book when my entire family was struggling to deal with my dad. Well, the question was, again, from this wonderful interview, 
what is the most important takeaway that you want people to remember after reading the book? Bruce Feiler wrote this. Transitions are essential to life. The single most powerful idea that emerges from years of listening to life stories is that all of us, all of us, all of us, go through tumultuous periods, and not just once or twice, but multiple times in our lives, as long as we have to do all this heart-rendering and heart-mending, along with the rebalancing of the sources of the means that come with it, why don't we spend more time trying to master them? William James said this the best about a century ago. He says that life is in the transitions. We can't ignore these central themes of life. We can't wish them or will them away. We just have to accept them, name them, mark them, share them, and eventually convert them into fuel for remaking our life stories. What a wonderful interview. Lots of good information. So what about you? In what ways did major life transitions change you? You may write me at PastorMichaelMangus at gmail.com. Would love to hear your stories. And also would like to hear what got you through them. What is getting you through COVID-19? We'd love to share those here on further editions of the Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Network. What I just asked are very good questions here. Again, we are all in a time of shift. And as I said before, that shift has hit the fan. <laughs> We're experiencing it right now. And again, I do recommend Bruce Feiler's book, Life is in the Transitions. That's available through any bookseller, both hard copy, paperback, and also ebook. As I tell people in private counseling, I tell them that it's not what happens to us that makes the difference. It's how we learn and grow through any experience. So please do not let any experience, including COVID-19, define your whole life. We will get through this, guaranteed. We're going to get through this here. So that's why I recommend Bruce Feiler's book. I think it's a wonderful book for spiritually-minded people and for anyone else to really to read. Because, again, our life is in transition. And I think that how to manage those transitions is what we are experiencing right now. A couple more thoughts. I think the one thing is that what lessons can we learn from what we're going through that we can use for the rest of our lives? And I think that one of the things that people have started to ask themselves, especially during this downtime, is what is really most important in my life? 
is working 80 to 100 hours a week at a job I dislike? Is that important? Maybe not. <laughs> Especially when it's affecting my most important relationships. If I am focused on everything else, and I'm not focused on the people that I say mean the most to me, maybe a little imbalance there. And this also includes my most important relationship with God or spirit. If I'm not developing that relationship, if I don't put that relationship at the center of my wheel, then no matter what I'm experiencing on the outer, is not going to go very good. That's my experience. All of this is something to think about. Please go get Bruce Feiler's book again. Life is in the transitions. Tell him that I sent you. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to end tonight here. I had a couple more articles, but I think this is a good place to end. Again, please, if you could, please donate to our wonderful network here. Newthoughtmedia.org slash donate. We have a lot of wonderful projects that are coming up, some that I'm working on. And your financial support of those. Again, I put a bill on Robert's desk a couple of weeks ago. And he handed it back to me and says, we have to raise the money for this before we do this expenditure. It's an upgrade of our software for the radio stream, for New Thought Radio. Through it, we're going to be able to have live presenters, disc jockeys, announcers, to be able to put out a professional product that all people will listen to. Again, please, if you could, help us out here so that we can help out other people. That is newthoughtmedia.org slash donate. We have wonderful gifts that I think that we're still giving away, but the best gift that you will receive is the gift of being able to change another person's life for the better through all of our wonderful programming here. All right? Okay. Hopefully next week we will have a guest or two or three. <laughs> thank you, Diego Reyes, for producing tonight's show. Uh, thank you to Jay Silvers, who does our announcements here, both beginning and end. And I am Pastor Michael Mangus. Thanking you for joining us this evening. And have yourself a great week. Thanks for joining us this evening for Friday's Fireside Chat with Pastor Michael Mangus. Join us again next week at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain for more spiritual conversations for today. For more information and replays of past shows, please visit the New Thought Radio and Media Network's Facebook page. Until next week, may God bless you richly and abundantly.